it, it really spoke to me, and I'm going to read uh, Psalm 56, verses 10 through 13. It says this, In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. What can man do? I am under vows to you, my God. I present my thank offerings to you, for you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. One of the most beautiful reasons that we gather together is to celebrate the fact that we've been moved from death to life. That Jesus has come and through him we have an abundant life where we are made new, where we've been transformed, and we get to worship the God that did that for us this morning. So as we enter into worship, as we, we sing these songs, I just want us to remember that, that this is the God that we get to worship, and Him is the one that we praise, and Him is the one that we have hope, and Him is the one that we get to glorify in, because He has done so much for us. Pray with me. God, we are so thankful for your goodness. We're so thankful for what you've done for You've delivered us from death to life. God, we ask this morning for you to strip away everything that's coming in the way of us encountering you. God, I pray that you would move in our hearts and our minds. God, that you would just strip away everything that's coming between us. That you would help us to encounter you in, in spirit and in truth.
Let your Holy Spirit fill this room. May your presence be known, Father. And may we open our hearts to hear what you have to say, Father God. And may you speak because we're listening, Father. We want to be vessels for your kingdom, Father God. Use us and let us make you known from nations and nations, Father God, in this city, Father. May you work, Father God. We love you.
let's pray for a second. Let's just, let's not move away from a moment of worship too quickly. Jesus, we thank you. God, your goodness is running after us, Lord. And, and Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would allow your goodness to, to overtake us. You are amazing. Heavenly Father, you are a good God. And Lord, we thank you for this time that we have to, to worship you, to, to, to be in this upper room and, and to sing out your praises and your goodness. I pray that we would do so with humble, humble and meek hearts. May you be lifted up this morning through your word and through this worship. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Now you guys can go ahead and have a seat. Uh, welcome back to City Church this morning. Uh, so glad to have all of you guys here. Uh, so glad to see you guys again. Um, we are gathered here again, once again, on another awesome Sunday, uh, Sunday morning. It's not as sunny today, but you know what? It's all right. It means it's not as hot. So that's pretty good, I guess. I mean, but if I had to choose, y'all know which I would choose over hot and cold. So I would always prefer sunny and warm over, you know, cold and windy any day, uh, but it's still a great day. Great day to be alive, great day to be here in the house of God. Amen? Amen. Uh, so yeah, so as we're here, just want to say thank you guys for being here. Thank everyone who is here online. Just want to pause for a moment. Thank you for joining us, for being a part of our gathering virtually. Uh, we want to just say that we would love absolutely more than anything to get to know you, get to meet you. So whether it be you showing up on Sunday here on Oak Street, at the Denton Square, we would love to meet you in person, but if not, we would love to meet you online. If you want to send a comment or something and like get to, to start a conversation, we would love to talk with you and speak with you online as well. But if you want more information about who we are, what we do, what we're about, you can obviously see us, see us on Facebook as well as go to our website at citychurchdenton.com. And also, we also send out text updates and things like that. So if you want to text 94000 and send the word WAVE, you can get text updates about what's going on here at City Church as well. And so as we get ready to jump into the word, uh, all our scripture, all our notes are on version for anybody watching online or here with us today. Um, those notes are in there for your convenience. And so we're about to jump into it. And as we do, as we get ready to jump into it, we're continuing our series uh, through the book of Mark. Um, Mark is one of the Gospels of Jesus. It's uh, recorded that it's probably our most earliest Gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we're going, we've been going through this series for probably over about two months now. We've been kind of marching through this series, taking a break maybe once or twice to hit on a couple of things. But we've been going through this series in Mark and we're still in chapter four today. Uh, last week I had the opportunity to begin talking in chapter four and we talked about the parable of the sower. Um, it was an awesome parable. I love that parable very much. And if you were to continue reading in Mark, you would see that there are about two or three more parables within this chapter. And I will say that uh, hopefully Pastor Kevin for, can forgive me. I'm actually not going to speak on one of those parables today, even though I, I, I really wanted to. Uh, but I felt the Lord directing me to the end of the actual uh, Mark chapter four and hitting on that story, hitting on what happened at the end. And so, I don't know, maybe Pastor Kevin can come back to a parable, or, or we would love for you guys to visit the parables at any point and actually read those and actually dive into that yourself. Um, super awesome parable, super good stuff. And if you have questions on those, there's a lot of resources, which we've talked about as well. Um, Bible Project has a bunch of resources. Some of those are linked in the U version. if you guys want to know what those are. Uh, but yeah, so we're in Mark 4, all right? And so some of you, why don't you guys go ahead and turn with me to Mark chapter 4, whether in your phone, in your Bible, whatever. Uh, let's go to Mark chapter 4. And we're going to be reading at the end of Mark 4, uh, starting in verse 35. Okay, It's a very common story that we hear within the church and within a lot of gatherings. We hear about this story a lot. I'm sure there are people who even maybe aren't Christian who probably know about this story. It's not one of those like hidden gems. It's a pretty well-known story. Uh, but we're going to be reading about Jesus calming the storm. Okay? where he calms the storm. And so we're reading in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. All right, where's where we're starting. And so it says this, That day, so the same day where we started in the beginning of chapter 4, after he had finished teaching all of these people and using these parables to teach about the kingdom of God and things like that, it says, That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side, the other side of the, the lake being, that, uh, being where they were. So leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was. 
in, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with them. A furious storm or a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and the waves, and rebuked the wind and the waves. Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He looked and he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And so in this story, we see a couple of things taking place, right? I can, I've, I've used this story as an illustration, and I've preached off this story many times before. And, and once again, as I'm diving into it, it was so cool about the Bible. Once again, as you're reading and you're diving into the Scripture, God reveals and points out different nuances and different things within the Scripture to, to speak and to minister to you. And I honestly, I got to this and I was like, I was like, I could, I could probably, I could preach off this. I've preached off this before. I started looking up some past notes and looking up some stuff. I was like, I could probably recycle some old stuff and everything. And, and then the Lord was like, nah, I got something new for you today. And so he pointed out something new that, uh, not necessarily super new, right? But he pointed out something new for me to be, for me to communicate, a, a point that I hadn't communicated when it came to this passage before. And so as we're reading this, and so there's a couple things we need to understand in order to really grasp the magnitude of what's taking place here. And so Jesus had just finished teaching parables, right? He had, stood, he had sat on a boat, stood on a boat, and was teaching a bunch of people. And so Jesus, he looks at his homeboys, and he's like, all right, hey, let's get out of here. Let's go to the other side, and let's go over there. And so they get into the boat, right? And they start sailing to the other side. Uh, I want to make note that as we, from what we know of the disciples, a few of them were fishermen. Right. A few of them had experience on boats. They had experience on the seas. Right. So much so that getting in the boat and traveling to the other side wasn't a difficult task. It was a normal thing for them to be able to do. Right. We know that Peter and Andrew, they are fishermen. Right. So they are used to the waters and used to the seas. And so we see here that as they're going across this river or excuse me, not river, as they're going across this lake. Right. Or this sea, whatever you want to call it. Right. They're going across this body of water, and as they're going across, a storm rises, and it gets so bad that these fishermen are fearing for their life. So it's not crazy to assume that these guys have probably experienced a storm before in their work, right? In their line of business, it's not crazy to think that they've been out fishing and experienced a storm. So to, for them to be afraid for their lives, being in an element that they're probably familiar with, means that that element had to be pretty crazy, right? It means that things had to be pretty bad for them to be like, oh my goodness, we're about to die, okay? This, was, this is what's taking place here. And while they're thinking they're going to die, of course, Jesus is doing things that only Jesus would do, right? Jesus is just sleeping, <laughs> like, he's just sleeping. And I remember talking to my, uh, I remember talking in class because we were talking about like Texas weather and like the environment. We were talking about here in Texas, like we have crazy thunderstorms at times, right? We have thunderstorms where you could be sleeping and then all of a sudden a big bolt of lightning will probably strike nearby and it just lulls you to sleep, right? Because we're so used to having these storms, we're so used to having hail and major thunderstorms and things like that, that like, I'm gonna be real honest with you, when a thunderstorm happens, I sleep like a baby. Like, I sleep so good and I'm so used used to it. But my wife's sister, when she moved here from California, they don't have storms the way Texas has storms. And so like she got there, they got their house, they moved in and everything. And soon after they had settled into their home, another one of those storms had happened. It was one of those times whenever we had a bunch of hailstorms and thunderstorms and like lightning struck her neighbor's house and caught it on fire. And like she like Texas messages us. She's like, what is happening? <laughs> like, is it the end of the world? And we're like, oh yeah, we forgot to tell you, Texas weather is kind of crazy. <laughs> so it's like, it's crazy, right? But for us, we're used to it. Why? Because we've been been in this environment for a long time. So experiencing a storm for us is like, oh, that's, that's another Tuesday, right? Tornado siren goes off. So we might, you know, get a little cautious, but for the most part, we're probably still going to watch Netflix. We're probably still going to sit in our bed. We're probably still going to go to sleep and just be like, ah, it's nothing, right? And then wake up in the morning and watch the news and be like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like I probably should have did something. Like, that's, that's how we are here in Texas. So imagine, I'm imagining, like, these disciples, this, this weather can't, like, it's not uncommon for them to experience storms in this situation. But this one is so bad 
that they're freaking out for their lives. And they go and they wake up Jesus, who's apparently sleeping so hard that, like, they have to actually legitimately wake him up, right? He's like a Texan in a thunderstorm. They have to legitimately wake him up and be like, Jesus, like, don't you? We're about to die. Like, we're literally about to die. Don't you care if we live or die? And sadly, we don't get a response. We don't see that Jesus responds immediately to that question. In fact, he actually kind of ignores the question. Like, he's like, he's woken up. He gets up, goes to the boat, goes to the front of the boat, says two words, calms the storm, walks, walk, turns around, looks at his disciples and say, you still not have faith? And then walks away. Like, talk about a mic drop kind of moment, right? Like, if there's any mic drop, there's a few mic drop moments within Scripture. But this, this is one of those moments where, like, with a few words, Jesus says so much. In this moment, we see that these guys are afraid for their life. They go and wake up Jesus. They ask him this question, don't you care if we live or die? Jesus doesn't respond to the question, kind of ignores the question, gets up, goes to the front of the boat. And I imagine, like, I, like Oftentimes, it's probably depicted as Jesus, like, raising two hands and with a booming voice says, peace, be still. And then the water is, like, calm or whatever. But I imagine, like, I imagine a Jesus who's, like, human like we are. And I imagine he just got woken up from, like, a really good sleep because, like, he was out, right? He gets woken up from a really good sleep. They're asked, the disciples are asking him a dumb question. Obviously, he cares if they live or die. Like, they're asking him a dumb question. He gets up, goes to the front of the boat. I imagine he does one of these right here, you know, wipes his nose, and it's like, Peace be still. And then it just, and he turns around and it's like, bro. <laughs> it's just like, do you still not have faith? Do you still not know who I am? And then he walks back and it doesn't tell us that he fell back asleep, but you know he fell back asleep. You know he was just like, peace be still. And he went back, he cuddled up and he went back to sleep. And these guys are like freaking out in this moment. And so, like, I do that because, like, I like painting this, like, picture of, like, what's happening here in this story because it helps me really understand what I feel the Lord is trying to communicate to me in this moment. And so I want to be careful, though, because I've noticed in myself, like, I can't speak for everyone else, but I noticed in myself, right, that I can read stories like this. I can read through the Gospels and hear stories about Jesus calming the storm, Jesus walking on water, Jesus walking by someone and, and putting his hand on a casket and that dude, like, popping up and coming back to life. I can read these stories, right, of Jesus doing absolutely preposterous and insanely powerful and amazing things and just read over them and not recognize what's happening here. And I've noticed in me that like, I, I think I've gotten so accustomed to reading scripture and hearing about these stories that I can read past them and not actually take note of the amazing power of God that's being recorded here in this passage. And I want to be careful of that because I think it's a dangerous thing. You see, I think it's dangerous because if we continue to just read past this, we begin to forget who Jesus is. Right. Because we can focus on we can focus on the other good parts about Jesus. Right. The gentle Jesus who who invites the children to come to him as he's teaching on the kingdom of heaven, as he's giving these amazing parables. You know, the Jesus who who uh, who forgives the sins of people, the Jesus who 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 breaks bread and, and, and feeds multitudes. Right. The Jesus who calls out demons and things like that. But then if we can get so caught up in this gentle, amazing, still powerful Jesus that we forget about the fact that Jesus has all the authority of God resting within him, right? We've said that he is 100% God and 100% man, right? Well, you know what comes with that 100% God? All authority, right? All the power of the universe, right? That with two words, he can literally change the weather. This is what comes in this God-man we call Jesus. And I think we can get caught up in, in some of the other things, the good things, right? These are good things that we should focus on and we should see in Jesus, but we often sometimes, or at least I often, I can't speak for everyone else, I often read past these stories and I'm like, ha that's funny, ha that's cool, you know, oh, that's awesome, but then not really take a moment to step back and recognize, man, this Jesus is no joke. The power that rests within this man is not to be trifled with. It's not to be trifled with, right? It's not something that we should just read over and not pause for a moment and recognize. So that's what I want to do this morning for just a moment. I know that this may be a little bit different, but I just want to pause and take a moment here as a church and just meditate on that for a moment. 
Just meditate on the fact that this Jesus has the power and the authority to, with words, change the weather. His words carry so much weight that he can change the weather, that he can bring back life, right? That he can calm storms. We see in the beginning of Scripture, what does God do? God begins to create with what? With words. This Jesus has all the power of God resting within him. And I just want to take a moment to just pause and meditate on that and honestly just like just revere him for a moment and just thank him for a moment for this power. Jesus. Jesus, I'm blown away. God, I'm reminded of how powerful you are, of how big and how mighty you are. And God, and just in this moment, we as a church, we pause for a moment to just breathe that in. We take a step back and we, and we look at you, Jesus, and we say, wow, hold on a minute. This isn't just the, the gentle, amazing God who, who was born in a manger. This isn't just the humble and meek man, the servant man that we see in Scripture. We also want to pause for a moment and recognize that you are God. That you have the power with your words to calm storms, to bring people to life. Your words carry weight. There is power in your fingertips and in your words. And God, we just honor that. God, we, we like, a lot, like, like Isaiah, in that moment when he enters your throne room, God, we are humbled before such power and such might. And we recognize it this morning. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so I know for me that as I read through Scripture and as I read through these passages, I, felt, I feel the Holy Spirit wants me to, to do so with this in mind, with this view in mind, and remembering that, like, not just letting it be a word, not, let it, not just letting it be something I know, right, that Jesus is 100% man and 100% God. Because you can know this, right? You can know this is true, but still miss it. Does that make sense? Like we can know it up here, but it can, it, it can still be missed in here. And I felt the Holy Spirit telling me, just like, I think there are a few things about Jesus that I know up here that, that I need to bring back to in here. And understand that, like, man, I, like, that this is really God that I am reading about here. That this, that this book is about God, the God of the universe, right? This Jesus, this, this heavenly Father, this Holy Spirit who has all the power, all the power of the universe within just simple words. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that, we be, that, we talk, that we're talking about. This is the God that we're reading about in the book of Mark. He has all power and authority. This is Jesus. And, and I want to make sure that we as a church, right, I think the church can get so caught up in just being all up here, right? Or we can get caught up in just being in here and being about the emotions and the feeling and, and how, the, how they made us feel. Or we can just get caught up in just wanting to know and think and like, what do I learn? What do I know about Jesus? That, that there's this disconnect that we need to connect the bo them both and recognize that, man, that we are not fully complete as humans until we know about this Jesus as well as know Jesus. Does that make sense? And when we know about Jesus and we know Jesus in our spirit and in our heart and our souls and we know about him in our heads, man, there's this connection that takes place where we start to recognize him for who he really is. Because we can unintentionally begin to disconnect who Jesus is and we can separate him and we can make Jesus our homeboy over here. We can make, make Jesus our, our, our savior over here. We can put him on a, on, a, on, a, on a bookshelf over here and say, I'll pull him out whenever I need him. And, and we can begin to compartmentalize who he is. And, and I think that, that we're doing a disservice to ourselves. Not only is it disrespectful to this God who has the ability to, with two words, calm the seas, right? That not only is it disrespectful to him, but we're also doing ourselves a disservice service because we are not understanding 
understanding the full magnitude of this Jesus, because when we understand that this is the God of the universe who we serve, right, who cares about us, who died on a cross for us, it changes the cross, right? It changes the meaning of the cross. He was able to calm the winds and the waves with a word. What was he, what could he have done while on the cross, right? What could, he could have hopped off the cross if he wanted to. He could have done anything, but instead he chose, he willingly died. The God of the universe willingly gave up his life. Right? And this, this is the God that we serve. We have to recognize his power. We have to recognize the fullness of who God is if we're truly going to understand what's taking place within this book. So as we look in this passage, as we look in this story, we see that, that the disciples had forgotten who Jesus was. Right? They had forgotten who Jesus was. They, they knew him as a rabbi and as a teacher. And I think maybe at some point that kind of became all he was, or maybe they didn't really think about it. But like we see that they had forgotten who Jesus was, so much so that whenever they encountered this storm, the proper response with having Jesus asleep on the boat would be like, hey, go check on Jesus. And if, and if however Jesus is responding, that's how we're going to respond, right? That's, that would be the accurate representation of how we would respond if we truly understood and if they truly understood who was in the boat with them, right? To go below and to see Jesus sleeping should have made, the, made a light go off in their head and be like, oh, this isn't that important. This isn't that big a deal. Jesus is asleep. Okay, he's expressed to us that he cares about us. He expressed to us that, they, that he has a plan and that he's doing some things here, but apparently this storm isn't that big a deal. So maybe we should probably calm down. If Jesus is cool, I'm cool, right? Maybe that would be an accurate response if they had remembered who he actually was. But it seems to me that they had forgotten who he was, so much so that they were terrified. After Jesus calms the storm, it doesn't say that they were like, Ah oh, man, thank you, Jesus, and like patted him on the back as he went, you know, back to where he was doing. It says they paused for a moment, they looked at each other, and were like, what? <laughs> they were terrified. That's the, the scriptures recorded as they were afraid and they were scared. Why? Because they had a realization. This is no ordinary man who's on this boat with us. This isn't just some rabbi on this boat with us. This isn't just some dude. He's not just some good teacher who's on this boat with us. He, he got, there's got to be something different about this guy. And they were scared. They were terrified. They were terrified. But when we look at this, like I, what I noticed is that their fear wasn't a fear of like that they were going like that, that Jesus would hurt them or kill them. It, it, it seemed more like a fear of like they just encountered God. <laughs> it really is. It, it reminds me of the kind of fear that we see in Isaiah, that we see in Revelation, where where they come before an all powerful God and their response isn't just like, hey, what's up? It's they fall on their face and they recognize the power of the person standing in front of them. And it causes a reaction within them. This is what ends up taking place. And so as we recognize now, as we look at this power here, right, we see Jesus get up, calm the storm with two words, and we recognize now that we've set the stage, right, now that we've set the foundation here that Jesus is all-powerful in this moment, right, that he has the power to calm the winds and the waves with just words. Now that we've recognized that and we've set that foundation, what do we do with it? What do we do with this understanding that, okay, like this is the Jesus that we serve. This is the God that we serve. He's able to do anything, anything he wants. Like the psalmist says that like God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him, right? That's ultimately sums up like who God is. Like you're up there, you do whatever you want. Ultimately, Jesus can do whatever he wants, right? And so what do we do with understanding and accurately grasping this power that Jesus holds, right? I think the disciples' response is actually probably the best response to really first get at initially. It's fear it. It's fear it. I think this is, the, the fear of the Lord, I think, is something that the church today has kind of really, like, unintentionally maybe walked away from or lost real sight of, right? We've, 
we become infatuated with the fact that because God is so good and because he's so close, right, and because he's so gentle, because he is the, the, the God who comes and meets us in our circumstances, because Jesus is so good as to, as to be there in our midst, to walk alongside us, to care for us, to weep with us, because of this, right, we've, we've, we've forgotten about the other side of it, and it's the, it's the fear of the Lord. And the fear that I'm talking about, like, 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 it's like the disciples' fear. It wasn't a fear that, like, oh, man, we, we screwed up. Now he's going to kill us. Like, now he's going he's gonna to end our life. It, it wasn't as if they were afraid of God. It was, it, it, was, it, was this fear, it was this fear of his power and recognizing how big and how mighty he is in light of how frail and weak we are. Like the best understanding or like the best depiction that we that I can kind of get at it is it's, it's that Isaiah story where where Isaiah comes into the throne room. Right. And it's and it's not like like he had a relationship with God. He had often spoken with God. God had often communicated to him. Right. But it's this understanding that like he is still God. He's still God. And I'm still man. Like I'm 100 percent man in the presence of 100 percent God. There is a gap here and I need to understand that there is a gap here. Right. I need to understand where I stand in this in this pecking order. Right. And is recognizing this. Right. It's recognizing that, man, that he is so big and so powerful. It's like Moses. Right. Moses up on the mountaintop with God. So often that he comes back down and his face is glowing, right? Like he comes back down, like he's in the presence of God all the time, but he still understands this fear of God as well. That when God passes by, he's, he's, he sees him and he recognizes that man, that there is this difference between he and I. Understanding that man, that we should have a fear of the Lord. And I think because we don't have a fear of the Lord, it's put us in a position where we also kind of don't have a fear of sin. We don't have a fear of judgment. We don't have a fear of God's wrath. And yes, I, I 100% believe that there is grace and that there is mercy and there is forgiveness, but God also has wrath. He also has judgment. He's made it very clear in his scripture. Just go read the end of the book, right? You think Jesus is just this like kind, like chasing butterflies kind of deity? No, like Jesus is going to come back with a freaking sword and like go to town, right? Like Jesus has wrath, that there is wrath, that there is judgment that comes with sin, but be so focused on the good part of Jesus, right? As a purpose and, and at times as a way to get people in and to draw people in because they like the friendly, good, wholesome Jesus, right? That they don't, they don't want the wrath you know, the warrior type Jesus, the Jesus who can step in and just boom, begin to calm storms with his words. Right. That we've kind of separated them in order at times to be able to bring people, maybe bring people in. And we've never really bridged the gap between this Jesus and this Jesus. But we can't separate them. They are the one in the same. They are absolutely one in the same in the same to understand who Jesus is. And there, there is a fear that comes with that. It's a fear. It's a healthy fear. Right. I, I, I don't think it adequately portrays it. Right. I don't think it adequately portrays it. But the, the fear that comes is the same fear that comes when you have a good parent and a child. Right. It's this fear of like, man, I, I better not do this thing or else I'm going to get it from my parents. Not in the sense that my child. Right. Like my son, my son. I don't believe my son at all is ever afraid for his life when he acts up. I don't believe my son at all is afraid that, like, I'm going to come down on him so hard that his life will ever be in danger because he knows that I love him. He knows that I care for him. But when he hears my voice and he knows when I'm angry, I can see in his eyes that there's a fear that shows up like, oh, crap, what did I just do? <laughs> like, man, I'm about to get it. I'm about to get in trouble. Right. That there's consequences for my actions. I better straighten up or else my dad is going to get upset with me. Right. There's never this moment where my son thinks that I don't love him anymore. And I will never let there be a moment like that because I remind him, even when I am angry, even when he is getting punished, that I love him and I care for him. And that he is still a good son, that he is still a good boy, right? I remind him of these things and he knows these things, but he still understands that there is consequence for his action because there is this fear there. 
Like, I don't think it adequately describes the kind of fear that we should have with God, but it's, I think it's one of the closest ways that we can really grasp it. Like, we, as the body of Christ, we as the church, we have to recognize that, man, we have a God who has invited us to sit at the right hand, right? We, he, is a, he is a God who has invited us to sit at the table, right, to enjoy the feast. He has adopted us as his sons and daughters, which is crazy to me, right? Which is crazy to me that the God of the universe invites these people who were broken and sinful and terrible, right? He invites them to be a part of this family. He invites them to sit at the table with him, right? And we have this honor and we have this joy, but we should never get to the point where we forget who he truly is and forget that he's also an all-powerful being who deserves the respect and the fear that comes with it. And the reason I think fear of the Lord is important is because of just like what I said earlier. It it, it reminds us of justice and judgment. It reminds us that, man, he is merciful, but he's also just. And my actions, right, how I respond, how I act, right, how I respond to this Jesus, man, eventually I'm going to be judged for those things, right? This is an all-powerful God who has the ability to to. to to like when he's judging, right? He says there's going to be a split. He's going to be those who get to come into heaven and those who are not. Right? I'm going to stand before this God at some point. And I don't think, man, I don't think that's going to be just like some just like, woo, yeah, like prancing ponies. And like, you know, I don't, I don't think it's going to be like that. You're going to be standing before an all-powerful God and he is going to judge you. There's this, there's a healthy fear that comes in that. And if you're still confused, and if you're still confused online, I, 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 would, I would encourage you to, let's, to, to begin to read the scriptures. And every single person, even in the New Testament, every single person who knew God understood this fear of the Lord. They had an adequate understanding of this fear of the Lord. They, they, they may have been bold to enter into his presence. They may have been bold to ask him questions, right? That doesn't mean that they can't lament. It doesn't mean that they can't cry out before God. It doesn't mean they can't question the Lord. But there was also a fear and understanding that I don't want to cross any lines because you are still God and I am still man. It's a hard, it's a hard line to follow. It's, I mean, to, to find. It, it's a hard balance to get. But we need to seek this. We need to seek a proper understanding of the fear of the Lord because of the fact that he is God. And then the next thing I think we should do with this, right, understand, do with this understanding of the power and the mighty works and and abilities of this God, this Jesus that we serve, is that we should also not only to fear it, but we should also depend on it. I think that's also something that we've lost sight of here within the, the American church. I know that I myself have. I don't depend on the power of God at all. I depend on myself. I depend on what I can do, the money I can make, the life I can create. That's what I depend on. Sadly, there are people out there who even, instead of depending on the power of God, they depend on the government. They depend on people. There is a dependency that comes, there is something, there is a closeness that comes when we have a dependency upon the power of God. There is something powerful that takes place. When we can say, man, I I don't want to go through my day without having to depend on God at some point today, without having to depend on his power. I feel like that's a healthy place to be in, to look at your day and say, man, how, how can I depend on the power of God today? And what that looks like is that maybe, maybe it's going throughout your day and, and it's actually opening your eyes, right, with intention, right, being intentional about this and actually opening your eyes and looking for those moments where God's power is the only solution. Instead of going through our day and going through our situations and looking at all of these and thinking, oh, well, you know, if they, if they just worked harder, right, if they, would just, if they would just stop being addicted to drugs and if they would get help, maybe they wouldn't be homeless anymore, right? Or, or, or maybe if they just fixed this and this, maybe they, would, maybe they wouldn't be in this situation. Or maybe, maybe the power of God needs to take place and come into their lives. Maybe they need someone who believes and depends on the power of God to step into their lives and to help them, help them see the miraculous work that God can do through human beings. Maybe. I don't know. 
What would our world look like if uh, Christians actually started acting in the power that Jesus said that they've been given? We like to spout out scripture, right, that Jesus said that you'll do even greater things than I did. How many people are actually doing that? You see, we have the, there's this powerful work within this Jesus and Jesus at the end of his life. What does he say? He says, all power and authority has been given to me. Right. All power and authority has been given to me. And he commissions us to use this power through the power of the Holy Spirit. He commissions us to go with this power and authority. To depend on it. Right. We see that in the New Testament, the New Testament church depends on the power of God. They depend on the power of Jesus. Right? The, the New Testament would would have stopped at Jesus's death if the disciples and if the apostles hadn't depended on the power of Jesus to do all of the amazing things that they did. They depended on it daily. And it changed the world. And now we depend on ourselves, right? The enemy has so blinded us and confused the church to depend upon ourselves, to depend on what we can provide and what we can do. We've, we've become so calculated in how, you know, if I'm a Christian, I can, I can do this, this, and this, but then I can also just depend on my, myself to get X, Y, and Z as well, and, and maybe I won't need the power of God. Maybe I won't need to have faith. That Jesus can can make a way in this situation. Maybe if I just work harder, right? If I grind it out. If I pursue, if I try to live my best life. I can get what I need. But we as believers, we can't live that way. We there is a dependence on God that we must have within our very core and within our very being to do everything that God has called us to do. And if we don't have that right, if we don't have that, then we're selling ourselves short. All power and authority has been given to Jesus, and he's commissioned us to go and to do something with it. To spread the gospel, to make disciples, just as I spoke about last week, right, to 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 plant seeds that are going to produce a harvest that then multiply. Right. He has commissioned us to do this and he hasn't told us to just go do it. It would have been pretty hard for us if he if Jesus was just like, now go. Good luck. I'm not going to give you anything to do it. You got it. Just work hard, make money, make the right choices, buy into the right political leader, and you got this. No, none of that was in his language. It was all the power and authority has been given to me. Now go and do what I've called you to do, because guess what? You have everything you need to do it. The church can be so much more powerful than it is. And what I mean by that, I'm not saying that the church can be so big, right? I don't mean that we can go to be thousands of people and have the greatest and biggest buildings. You can have the biggest building and the biggest church in the country and still be without power. Numbers don't mean anything. It doesn't mean that you are the most spirit-filled people. It doesn't mean that, that that's the place, that is God's place, that is where God wants to dwell. You can have the biggest church in the world and God be void there. 100%. It's this power that we see in this story where Jesus walks up and just with words can calm the storm. That's just a glimpse. That's just a small bit of what Jesus can do. And we can we we must learn to fear it and to depend on it if we're truly, truly going to be everything that Jesus Christ wants us to be. It's absolutely necessary and it's absolutely vital. For us as men and women of God to recognize who Jesus is. Yes, he is gentle. Yes, he he's the gentle teacher who invites the kids to come and listen to him teach. He's the gentle man who gets down and is willing to pick up the adulterous woman. He is the gentle Jesus who is willing to put a hand on someone who has never had who's never been touched, a leprous man who's probably never been touched in, in years. He's willing to do that. Yes, but he's also the powerful, mighty God who with words can speak calmness over a storm that threatened to kill people that was so bad that it scared fishermen this is the god that we serve we can't have one without the other he is a powerful and mighty god and he cares for us he loves us he died on a cross for us this knowing this about god really just bumps up what he did on the cross to me 
what he did on the cross for us, what he did on the cross for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love, for your grace, for your power, and for this opportunity I've been given to speak your word. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that that we would recognize your power and that we would fear it and depend on it in the name of Jesus. For you are 100% God and you have all authority and all power and you have commissioned us and you have given it to us through the Holy Spirit to be able to move and to act. And I pray in the name of Jesus that we would remember this, Lord. That we would depend on your power, God. That we would have a fear of this power and have a fear and a hatred of sin in the name of, Je- in the name of Jesus. But God, I pray for those who don't know you. Pray for those who are listening here today. Who may be in a place where they need to repent and come into relationship with you, come into right standing with you. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would move in their lives. That you would give them courage to take the steps necessary to become disciples of Christ today. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I like how you lowered this for me as I I come up. Um, that was really wonderful. I think it's always great to have that reminder that this God that we do serve is a God full of, uh, of all power, but he's also the God that, that comes near to us. And um, realizing that it's not necessarily a juxtaposition, but this is this God who is fully man and fully God who wants this relationship with us, but also demands some things from us. So thanks for sharing that word. Anthony. Uh, At this time, we're going to transition to taking up communion together, which is something that we do every single week here at City Church. Uh, If you're joining us online, we want to thank you for joining us. We'd love to have you come and visit us in person um, sometime, but at this time, we're going to end the live stream and hope that you can join us sometime soon. I want to do this thing that we did last week because I think there was